Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Not the Langs, but we do have a father-daughter podcast about the MCU. And we are back with our episode covering Captain America the Winter Soldier. Not to be confused with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which is the technical name of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is the movie. Okay, yeah, you kind of got me there for a second when you yeah. said that. I was like, oh, I think she got it wrong, but that's why that's what I'm mis- mixing up in my head. It's Captain America yeah. colon the Winter, the Winter Soldier. Soldier, and then mm-hmm. there's the show, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I was googling something <laughs> for this movie, and I know they would give me results for Falcon. Yeah, there's a lot. It's well because it got renamed at the end, remember? Like in the last episode, the title card changed to Captain America and the Winter Soldier when Sam became Cap. Oh, like that's its technical title. So the only thing it's like really similar, but there's just like a colon and no and. Oh, okay. That makes even more sense. Yeah. The more you know, the more you know. I like it. Yes. I like it um we we're both really excited about this episode we got on this call and we started talking about the movie and then we were like wait we have to save it for the podcast we were already excited for sure about it. yeah for sure so, i think it's like half of what i'm excited about is this movie and the other half of what i'm excited about is the amazing run we get to go on after this so it's yes. this movie guardians guardians 2 mm-hmm. avengers and Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Civil War, Black Widow, Black Panther. Like, they're all hits to me. Yeah. So I can't wait. I know. So fun. We're like, this is like, to me, the golden, like, this is like this the golden era of the MCU. Like, this yeah. is truly, I mean, I think everybody would agree that. Like, this For is sure. like one of the most universally beloved Marvel movies. These are some of everybody's favorites coming up so this is the era that made them think we could come out with five movies a year and five shows a year and people will be here for it and then they realized okay maybe not we Uh, still have to make them good yeah (laughs) working on that right now (laughs) (sighs) okay cool so before we get into it let's talk about what's happening in the mcu world currently um biggest biggest thing that's super exciting is loki is coming out loki season two and is this episode dropping the day before i don't so we're recording right now the day before the first episode of loki season two comes out i i don't know that we're going to have this edited and ready to be released by then so we'll we'll probably this this episode that we're releasing will probably be a little bit behind that episode i just can't wait i can't wait Are, are you hearing anything like what people are saying i mean i'm seeing good reviews obviously it's a little like Eh, with like people being able to like review stuff right now with the um with the i guess just the sag strikes now because the wga kind of came to an agreement but um from what i've seen uh it looks like it is good and people are liking it and i think 
the general consensus has been from what I've seen that it's like we're back to good Marvel with this. Like it's like an it's a solid Marvel project because the first season of Loki was pretty controversial. Um, a lot of people really hated it, <laughs> and a lot of people like loved it. Um, and what I'm seeing is from people who didn't like the first season, they're liking the second season better. And from people who loved the first season, they are also liking the second season. So okay, okay, yeah, I think it's. I'm super excited. There's a lot of change to the like lineup for who's working on it. So the director of last season, Kate Heron, has handed the reins over to a couple other directors. Okay. Um, so it's not like she didn't get fired. She I don't had know. a hand in handing it off or I think she just I think it was her decision. Okay. Based on this this is not new news. I remember hearing about it a while ago, and based on my memory, I feel like it was like her decision to step down. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm I just know... curious if it's like a change of direction, yeah, or directors that are going to take it in a similar uh, direction as she had already kind of paved. I doubt that they're trying to change it because she was awesome and her like she was really passionate about like her whole thing was like that she was a big loki fan um i don't know if you remember like watching the assembled like episode for loki when it came out the like behind the scenes thing mm -hmm. where they like talked about how they made it but like she's like a huge loki fan herself and like that went into the work which i thought was really cool because it's kind of full circle like wow the Avengers has really been out that long that like someone who was a fan of Loki when that movie came out is now like directing the Loki show. That's wild. Anyway, yeah. I, I didn't even think of her. it like that when you said it. I was just like, yeah, you mean the comics, right? Like, no, no. Like actual Loki had, like, Tom a, Hiddleston. Yeah. Loki <laughs> had like a cult following back when like the first Avengers movie came out and then Amazing. like from that point on and she was like part of like that fandom like the like 2012 wow. Tumblr wow, wow, Avengers wow. fandom and wow, then wow, now wow. she like directed the show yeah so I always thought that was cool but they are exciting exciting news for a lot of people that they changed um up the writers so um Eric Martin, who was a staff writer for the first season, because usually for shows especially, there's like a writer's room and they're working together, is now the head writer for season two. Whereas the writer last season was Michael Waldron, who is generally very, very much hated by the Marvel fandom because he wrote Multiverse of Madness, which is some of the worst writing of any film I've ever seen in my life. And so they fired Michael Waldron, which is really exciting. Whoa. Okay. So, um, and a lot of people blame him for like some of the weird turns that season one took that were, that were kind of like why people didn't like season one. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people don't like that. Like Loki and Sylvie fell in love um, because they're like the same person, which is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. So there was like a whole debate about that. A lot of people didn't like the ending. They thought it was too confusing. So um, I didn't have as much qualm with Loki as a lot of my peers in the Marvel fandom do. But I think 
a new head writer is a good choice regardless because I don't trust that man. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited. Um, yeah. And then we've got, uh, let's see, it'll be, this is October. So it's October. No movies yet. Cap, uh, Marvel, Miss Marvel is. Yeah, the Marvels is November, coming out in November, yeah. which is actually very soon. Thinking about it now. For sure. Creeping up on us. I feel like we've been talking about it on the podcast in our like MCU monthly segment for like the whole year. Oh, we're so it's jacked for it. Finally coming. So that's exciting too. I saw that in China, they're releasing it as Captain Marvel 2. Oh. For whatever reason. They just like <laughs> rename movies for the Chinese audience sometimes. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What um, else is going on? Anything? Not a ton. Um, I I have a one quiet. that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. More of a more of a rumor than yeah. news, but uh, I'm sure you've heard that Taylor Swift has uh, been dating a football player. Yes. Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Apparently. There have been rumors floating around that Taylor Swift is going to be in Deadpool 3. <laughs> I did see something about that. <laughs> yeah, and there were a bunch of pictures of her at the Chiefs-Jets game this last weekend with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman and the director oh of Deadpool 3. No way. Yep. That's crazy. They were there? They were there in her booth watching the game. I mean... Taylor Swift's been in a lot of movies, to be honest. Like, I would not be surprised. That now, feels like a Deadpool thing, too. Yeah. Here's my question. Okay. Would you want her to play herself? Or would you want her to be, like, a baddie? I mean, I didn't think about her playing herself. I think that would be funnier to me. I think that if she plays an actual like comic character it has the potential to go like horribly wrong. <laughs> I think people would, I think dude bros would just get so pissed about that. Like whoever so she, she's so playing. True. And I think it would be really funny if she just played herself. <laughs> Cause that would be so like Deadpool humor, like just like, Oh yeah. And Taylor Swift is in this movie. She's also really good friends with Ryan Reynolds. So like, yeah, I could see it just being like, oh, yeah, doing Ryan a favor and showing up in this movie. Yeah. So All right. that would be interesting. Also, I did remember, I don't want to talk about it too long, but Martin Scorsese, like, doubled down on, do you remember, did you ever hear about, like, when, like, a couple years ago, he had, like, a whole, maybe it wasn't maybe i think it was more recently than a couple years ago but he like did a whole interview where he said like marvel movies are like the death of art oh yeah just yeah, yeah, yeah eviscerated them yes. yeah he just did like a reprise to that and like doubled down on it oh he's not backing down <laughs> no <laughs> i mean if you think about it he's probably like feeling now like he's got a little bit of backup you know the last uh, few so have true. not been great they are yeah. kind of cranking out too many there is a yeah. little bit of fatigue. Disney stock is going down kind of yeah. partly because of it. So it's like, oh, yeah, maybe he's got a point. But we're here for it. Yeah, I think he does. 
I, I understand what he's saying. I don't know. I've debated this in so many classes. It's always like a subject that gets brought up. Um, there's a content creator on TikTok named Jay Stoops who does like movie review content and she is like so awesome and she made a whole video about it and it had she had like the most nuanced response to it where she's like, Yes, he has like a skewed perspective for sure as like and like an 80 year old man like right. who like a lot of the industry forever yes and he came into the the film industry in a time where like it was like the revolution of cinema and cinema was just becoming artistic and like an art form rather than like a you know like the 1950s saw a Mm -hmm. lot of just like everything the same family films the Hayes code got abolished which meant like less censorship starting in the 60s when he was coming up with all these directors like George Lucas and all these people so like obviously he's gonna have that perspective so like you gotta like just be like yeah he's an 80 year old white man like he is gonna think that (laughs) a little bit and he's also kind of right because he is one of the most like accomplished directors ever (laughs) and we should respect what he has to say a little bit i think but i also think that movies cinema from the beginning the purpose of cinema has been not only for art it is it is an art form i agree and it is like its purpose is to create art and i think simultaneously its purpose is to entertain so i think that sometimes he's forgetting that a little bit that like the very first film the very first films were made to entertain audiences and at the same time were artistic because it was something completely new so i don't know I think I agree with him. Like Marvel is cranking stuff out like it's like AI like content at this point like where it's just like oh my gosh you need to slow down. And I think they're realizing that and they're going to get to a slow down point. But Sure. I think at the end of the day like you can't just discount super movies, superhero movies in general because people really enjoy them and it's kind of like the spectacle of the theater like it's made to entertain and we're if we're properly entertained if a movie like captain america the winter soldier can entertain us and be a great awesome fun action superhero movie like we should keep making them just in moderation and like with care man oh, i like it this, that's is, my this is a great take that you're just dropping i feel like you're thank you your uh your takes are getting more uh, refined articulate mm-hmm. uh well-informed yeah this whole school thing man there's something to it i like it i have a lot to say i have a lot to say you know it's just it's my right as a film student to get up on my my soapbox but i like that word that you use nuanced i think that's the it's not a it's not a either or situation there's there's some good some bad some middle ground but uh yeah we'll give scorsese his respect and uh yes. beg to differ a little bit we like these movies and we're still making this podcast so that's right okay we should probably move on do you want to summarize um captain america colon the winter soldier you bet awesome you bet okay so you all remember the battle of new york two years after that steve rogers He's working in Washington, D.C. for S.H.I.E.L.D., 
might remember the opening scenes where he's jogging in the morning by the Capitol building and he keeps passing uh, what's his face over and over again. Sam. <laughs> Sam. Not forget Sam's name. <laughs> <laughs> he's like on your left over and over again. All right. And then uh, he's trying to adjust to society during a mission alongside Agent Natasha Romanoff and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s counterterrorism strike team led by Brock Rumlow. That guy's such a bro. Uh, to free hostages, hostages aboard a S.H.I.E.L.D. vessel from pirates led by Jorge Batro. Rogers discovers Romanoff has another assignment to extract data from the ship's computers. And this data that she gets, that's what gets the whole shenanigan going starts the ball rolling yep so they return from that mission uh to shields headquarters rogers confronts director nick fury and is briefed about project insight three helicarriers linked to spy satellites were you the one that thought helicarriers were a real yes. thing yeah yeah i did think helicarriers were real <laughs> for an embarrassingly long amount of time and the freaky part of these helicarriers is that they are designed to preemptively eliminate threats. They like read the data, they figure out, oh, this valedictorian, they mentioned a valedictorian of some high school later, this valedictorian has tendencies that are going to be a threat later. So they, let's just kill them now rather than later. Unable to decrypt Romanoff's data, Fury becomes suspicious about Inside and asks Senior Shield official and Secretary of Internal Security Alexander Pierce to delay the project. On his way to rendezvous with Maria Hill, Fury is ambushed by assailants. This is such an awesome scene when he gets ambushed and his car is breaking down. Nineteen percent, nineteen percent. Oh, it's so intense. I love it when it's like. Air conditioning is fully functional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what well, <it> does work? <laughs> uh, but as he's ambushed, the lead assassin is called the Winter Soldier. It's such a great appearance scene by the Winter Soldier. We don't know that yet, though. He's just he's like mysterious. Right. He's just a mysterious assassin. Mm -hmm. Escaping to Roger's apartment, Fury warns Rogers that S.H.I.E.L.D. is compromised. He does it like on his phone. He types it out like it's bugged. Everybody can hear us. But he's shot by the Winter Soldier before handing Rogers a flash drive containing the ship's data. Fury is pronounced dead uh, during surgery, and Hill recovers the body. There's an epic chase scene where Steve is chasing the Winter Soldier. The next day, Pierce summons Rogers. Uh, when Rogers withholds Fury's information, Pierce brands him a fugitive. And uh, so they're hunting for Cap, uh, and he meets up with Romanoff. Using the data, they discover a secret shield bunker in New Jersey. They do all this, by the way, from an Apple store, which is incredible. That Natasha's so Natasha. skills are off the charts. She can do anything. Listen. They go to this shield bunker in New Jersey. They activate this massive, you know, huge basement supercomputer containing the preserved consciousness of Amim Zola. That part is so sick to me. <laughs> I know. I just thought it was so savage. It's just the coolest. 
creeps me out every time. So creepy. So <laughs> creepy. I mean, any way that you can get like the Nazis back in there. Yeah. You know, it's just. Whew. So Zola informs them that after being captured by Rogers during World War II, he was recruited to S.H.I.E.L.D. where he secretly reformed Hydra within its ranks, sowing global chaos to make humanity surrender its freedom in exchange for security. And he used the Winter Soldier to help get it done. The pair narrowly escape death when a S.H.I.E.L.D. missile destroys the bunker and realizes that Pierce is Hydra's leader within S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Rogers and Romanoff enlist the help of VA employee and former USAF para-rescueman Sam Wilson, whom Rogers befriended, and they acquire a powered Falcon wing, wing pack used by Wilson while he was in the Air Force. I like how they're just like, yeah, it's like a 16-inch or 12-inch steel wall and armed guards. And they're like, it's fine. We can go get it. And then they don't even show him getting it. They just got it. No, they It's do. not even worth being in the movie. Listen, we've seen them do crazy stuff the whole movie. You don't really have to, like, prove that, like, Natasha can do it. Like, you yeah, know, exactly. at this point, we know she can. Just stealing some simple tech. That's yeah. Nothing. We're going yeah. after three helicarriers here. That's yeah. the bigger story. Uh, in the process, they capture, sh capture S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jasper Stilwell, a Hydra mole, forcing him to divulge that Zola developed a data mining algorithm that can identify individuals becoming future threats to Hydra. This is where they, you know, he's like, you're not going to throw me off the roof. And Cap's like, yeah, I know I won't, but she will. And she <laughs> Nat kicks him off the roof. And then Sam catches him in his mm -hmm. wingsuit, throws him on the roof, and then he tells him everything. Uh, Sitwell is killed in an ambush by the Winter Soldier, whom Rogers recognizes as Bucky Barnes. He's like, Bucky? Just crazy. This is a crazy scene. It, they, you know, obviously Bucky grew up with Steve, longtime best friend, thought he was dead, but he'd survived due to Zola's experimentation and has been repeatedly brainwashed and cyrogenically frozen to perform Hydra's missions. Hill manages to extract the trio to a safe house where Fury, who had faked his death, don't, 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 plans to sabotage the helicarriers by, by replacing their controller chips. Yeah. It was a little anticlimactic for me that it was going to come down to computers. But <laughs> whatever. We just got to nope. jam their internet. <laughs> if we can get a hold of their Wi-Fi. I know. Okay. After the World Security Council members arrive for the helicarrier launch, Rogers broadcasts Hydra's plot to everyone at the base. I like this. He gets on the intercom and he just like classic guys, I know I'm not alone. Yep. Cue the America music. Romanoff disguised as one of the council members, disarms Pierce. Fury arrives and forces Pierce to unlock Shield's database so that Romanoff can leak classified information exposing Hydra to the public and exposing Shield too and herself. Yeah. Following a struggle, Fury fatally shoots Pierce. Rogers and Wilson raid two helicarriers and replace the controller chips, but they got to get that last one. But Barnes destroys Wilson's suit and fights Rogers on the third. Rogers fends him off, replaces the final chip, allowing Hill to take control and have the vessels destroy each other. They just start blasting each other out of the sky. Somehow slow motion falling down to earth. Rogers refuses to fight Barnes in an attempt to reach his friend. I mean, he did fight him 
but once he got the chip in, he's like, I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. And, uh, Bucky is just hammering him with his big metal arm, but then something within him triggers and he stops. Uh, cap falls into the water, uh, from the ship. And then Bucky goes and gets him with shield and disarray. Romanoff appears before a Senate subcommittee to, to defend her and Roger's actions. Well, fury, who everybody presumes is dead, heads to Eastern Europe in pursuit of Hydra's remaining cells. Rogers and Wilson decide to find Barnes. That's their mission now. Let's go get the Winter Soldier. Well, Rumlow, who was a Hydra agent, is hospitalized following the base's destruction. And then uh, in a mid-credits scene, there's a yeah. Hydra lab. <laughs> Aaron Wolfgang von Strucker and his scientists <laughs> examine an energy-filled scepter. It's back, baby. That's not what I'm excited about. Oh, that's what I'm pumped about. What? What are you excited about? The Maximovs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he pans the room, and he's like, we've got the twins. The twins. Yeah, it's Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. And then she does that smashy thing with the blocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Ah, there she is. The Scarlet Witch so is good. there. So and, good. Uh, and then in a post credits scene, uh, Bucky visits his own memorial at the Smithsonian. So the truth is starting to sink in. He's in America. He's figuring things out. Yep. He's yeah. stateside. For now. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go to budapest pretty soon i think or bucharest i think it's budapest i like that you're i like that you're a budapest person instead of a budapest gotta stick with my nat pronunciation there you go art and black widow yeah Yeah. budapest it's a thing it's a thing i've been there it's a thing yeah wow all right so that's the movie that's a great movie amazing movie amazing movie so good thank you joe and anthony russo for this great great film yes so fun yes i don't the thing is i don't know a single person i don't think i've ever talked to a single person who doesn't like this movie okay i mean you got characters yeah you got action Uh you got a storyline dude you got cap even cap is cool in this one yeah Nat is awesome. Sam is awesome. Bucky is awesome. It's incredible. It has a great action slash espionage plot line perfectly intertwined with an incredible emotional plot line. Yes. And that is such a strong point. Carries its characters so well. So well written. Everything kind of comes full circle. It's very action-y, but I never feel like it's over the top. Because I feel like every action scene is specifically placed and different enough from the last ones that it keeps you interested. Yes, they're all very different all from good. each other. And they're all really good and iconic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I kept writing down, I kept like every time a new one would happen, I was like, oh, the iconic scene. And then I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, they keep coming. Like yeah. the elevator scene. The elevator scene. And then when he fights Bucky on the bridge and when he fights Batrock and like all of these scenes are so classic and good and like well choreographed. Just some good action. 
such good action. I was telling your yeah. sisters, I was like, you know, it's in Black Widow. Um, Nat gets made fun of mm -hmm. by her sister for the way she's a poser, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. You're such yeah. a uh, Do it. Can you do it? <laughs> you're such a poser. I'm not a poser. <laughs> <laughs> but watching this, man, the Winter Soldier is like, no, oh true. my gosh, <laughs> it's awesome. Like, Dude. a car is like, getting out in front of him and he's just like puts his hand on the ground to brace himself and slow down and, and he's oh like man, glaring he's so the cool. whole time glaring like the whole makeup. time just yeah. ripping steering wheels off ripping windows off of jets just like Landing man on a mission the most dramatic ways possible. oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. and it's all made possible by that amazing arm he's got on there you can I do know. some pretty stylistic stuff when you got an arm That's like so that so true yeah I am excited about that too because in the Thunderbolts movie, Nat or sorry, not Nat Rip, uh, Yelena and Bucky are all part are on the same team. So I wonder if she's gonna make fun of him for that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't even like know where to start. It's just so good that. That elevator scene, I mean, like, we all know the elevator scene. It's so iconic that they redid it in Endgame. Like, that's how iconic that scene is. But watching it again and also watching it, like, through the lens of being a film student, like, I just had to watch a documentary for homework about, um, like, sound editing and the sound design process. Mm. And the sound design of that scene was really sticking out to me. It's so well done because it's like completely silent in the elevator and then more people keep getting in and then you have these constant sounds of like the elevator like whooshing as it goes past floors but the sound of like the the quiet little whoosh is like a heartbeat and so it's it's kind uh... of like adding this like anticipation and it's so silent that anytime someone like whispers something it's super crisp and it's just like so well done and all the like noises from all the weapons because there's i'm pretty sure there's no score at least for part of that fight scene are like all the noises are so like sharp wow. because of the starkness of the silence before and like the build-up it's just so well done oh i love it movie yeah. magic yeah i love that that scene i i think for me i realized like oh yeah i really like this movie a lot right at the beginning when they attack fury i think mm -hmm. that scene is amazing where yeah. you've got all these like pop cars that are doubling as mm -hmm. the enemy you know and they're crashing into him and his car's breaking down and then you yeah. think like you think he made it Mm -hmm. You think he made it, and then the Winter Soldier chucks that like uh, crazy, like magnetic bomb underneath him, and yeah. oh, it's, it's so good. And and Fury just like looking out his car window, like, oh crap! Because up till that point, we don't see Fury ever like vulnerable. No, that like, was so always interesting knows for me because. On. I don't really find myself rooting for Fury very much. But yeah. in this movie, heck yeah. I'm right? rooting for him. 
They're like scared. I mean, he's like quote unquote dead half the movie too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I feel like I wrote down during that scene like that shot of like him that part of him in the car and it's like upside down and Bucky's walking towards him that part like walked so that when they redid that in like the Batman you know that part in the Batman with the, yes. in the car and yes. Batman walks towards him that is so similar Winter Soldier walked so that the Batman could run like that yes. that was so uh, so good <sighs> I love talking about this movie that I like. <laughs> yeah. I'm you like... know, there's another thing that I noticed that I, that I was like, I'm going to ask Lauren about this. Because yeah. when it comes to, you know, I'm not a screenwriter. I'm not, you know, training in that or anything. But um, I always kind of notice, like, I, you know, I like telling stories. And so I like when, I like noticing how, movies get like a backstory told mm. you know like in an efficient way but a mm -hmm. cool way mm -hmm. and it always annoys me when they get a backstory in there and it's just like oh my gosh you're talking to me like i'm three yeah and it's just some stupid way of introducing this backstory yeah but i don't know if you remember the part where at the beginning cap goes into the smithsonian and they're mm -hmm. like they are doing over the intercom yeah. like his story and he's watching and all the uniforms and he sees the kid i was like man that is a cool way to mm -hmm. like bring all of us up to speed but yeah. in a way where like he's feeling it and he's overwhelmed and he yeah. you're like you're watching his character develop but you're also you know it's been a little while since we watched mm -hmm. his first movie you know so it's like we're kind of getting brought back up to speed and also figuring yeah. out like oh this is where he's at now i, I loved that part yeah so but i was gonna ask you like is that a thing do you guys learn how to like get a backstory told in like cool ways for sure i mean <laughs> it's like a almost a joke everyone hates flashbacks so yeah. you just try to avoid that at all costs. But now that you're saying it, I didn't really think about that. But like, it does such a good job with like that. Okay, that part is catching us up on Steve's backstory. And just like what has been going on in the world since yeah, the right. first Avenger. Not just for him, but like in general, like what happened to Peggy? We see her in that interview from the 50s. Mm -hmm. And yep. like what, like how does the world view the Howling Commandos and like all of that is like really clever storytelling. But then also even like, cause you were continuing to learn about like what has happened between the forties and now with the Winter Soldier, but it's never in like one specific point of the movie that like all the info is dumped on us, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And that is also super well done because you have like the part where Natasha's explaining, like, this is how the intelligence community views this guy. And this is the run in that I had. Yes. With him. And yeah. then you're hearing, you're seeing like, there's like scenes of him being tortured. And you're seeing like, this mm -hmm. is like Bucky's perspective almost of like what's been happening. And like, you know, 
there's like a bunch and then you have like zola's thing about like this is what hydra's been doing as a whole so like we know a little bit more about bucky's story from like zola's weird like nazi like powerpoint montage documentary thing that he plays um and then like you're just like learning bits of information throughout the movie as opposed to like just dumping it all on you in one like explaining scene and i love that because even too we there's still a lot that we don't know that we're gonna find out later in like civil war and stuff about bucky obviously tony's parents and stuff so like ah that's just such good storytelling i agree yeah you're right i mean for me it's almost like it it feels like i mean yeah like the helicarriers and the Mm -hmm. plot that they had to like solve for this movie was great but if you were to ask me what is this movie about i'm like it's a movie about bucky it's It's called the winter soldier it's slowly unfolding his story Mm -hmm. and then at the end you still feel like I mean, I feel like they could have made a Winter Soldier 2 and it yeah. would have just, you know, made bajillion dollars because the cliffhanger was so good. I mean, low-key, that's what Civil War really is. A yeah. lot of Civil War. Both of these movies, you're right, like have a plot, like a like an outer plot kind of going mm-hmm. on. I wouldn't necessarily call it like the A plot and the B plot. Maybe that's what you would call it. I don't know, but... They have these like a plots, you know, Civil Wars, the political drama and the Sokovia Accords. But when I think of both of these movies, I'm thinking about the story of Bucky and Steve and like what's going on with yeah, them. That's so good. Not, yeah. And it's just it's 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 well done. I was looking up who the writers were for all of the Captain America movies and all of the Avengers movies and the same two writers um christopher marcus and stephen mcfeely wrote all three captain america movies and then also infinity war and endgame which was interesting to me okay but then joss whedon wrote first avengers movie and um age of ultron which are also where steve is most prominently featured so mm-hmm. that kind of explains his weird arc because Joss Whedon kind of like kept coming in in the middle and messing up Steve's plot line when it's like it really should be about Bucky and then he kept like pulling Steve out of that and like distracting mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. It's weird to me that these guys were the ones who wrote like Endgame because I really like feel super strongly about his Endgame ending not being in character mm-hmm. because it just okay you ain't gonna get in deep on like steve's steve's arc and which which is steve's real arc give it to to me me. i think there's two options for what steve's potential real arc could be there's the option of steve's like character arc in the mcu as a whole being about a lost soldier who's trying to find a sense of belonging or it's the story of steve and bucky and I think it's the story of Steve and Bucky because Bucky is such a prominent and important part of almost all of the Captain America movies. All three of them, actually, all of them. He's like, it's about Bucky. It's about finding Bucky and it's about saving Bucky. And it's about like 
reuniting with Bucky at the end. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make sense. It feels like there's these two narratives that are struggling. And then for him to leave Bucky at the end in Endgame just doesn't make narrative sense to me because I feel like his whole journey in the MCU has been leading up to this point of finally being back together with Bucky. And then for him to just like, and 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 along the way, he's discovering this sense of self and this sense of like understanding of the 21st century and like becoming his own person here and you know making these connections. And obviously, Tony and Natasha die, so like two of his like closest people are dead by the time Endgame is over. But Bucky's still there. Sam's still there. He has all these like he's he's he's. He's grown his roots. He's he's made a life for himself. And it feels weird to me that the theme of all that at the end would be like, but he doesn't actually like it. So he's just going to go back to the 40s and abandon this whole journey that he just went on. This whole entire arc that he's had over the course of so many movies, over the course of like 10 plus years of like finding himself and becoming right. a new person and finding Bucky. And finally, like Bucky's okay now to some degree and he's okay now to some degree yeah. and then he just like ditches it all it just mm. really really bugs me yeah so, preach yeah and this this movie feels the strongest this movie and civil war feel the strongest to me in that direction of like the bucky subplot because i'm like mm -hmm. his like literal constant goal in all of these movies is just like bucky and to like help Bucky and figure and find Bucky and figure out what's going on with Bucky. <laughs> How many times can I say the word Bucky? Totally. <laughs> like, letting himself get pulverized in the yes, face. Yeah. That's such a strong moment to just be like and Dude, he never yeah, really when he pulls to, like, up rest. the thing to to free Bucky. Yeah. You know, free the winter soldier, set him free and then mm -hmm. a winter soldier turns straight on him and he lets yeah. him just go after him. It's such a like it's so impactful insight into him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So impactful. And then the thing is they never really get a chance to like be reunited is the thing. Because they're once they they finally once they finally like Bucky's name is like slightly clear. It's not even really fully like explained at the end of civil war once everyone knows that like it's not really bucky's fault all mm -hmm. this stuff that happened bucky goes to wakanda and goes into cryostasis so he's not with steve then and then he just gets pulled out for the battle in infinity war and then he gets dusted so they finally get reunited at the end of endgame so they can mm -hmm. like finally be back together and then steve just leaves man <laughs> like, one day later, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm with you. That's, that's I'm with you. this. This movie feels like back in 2014, they knew what they were doing. They had they had the right idea. This feels yes. right. They should have kept rolling with that, and they should have kept this going. I don't yeah. know. But, I like it. Yeah. Sorry. That's that's my soapbox for the day. Well, my second. That was soap. your second one. Yeah. yeah sorry <laughs> it's all good i like this movie a lot you know it kind of came out at a time where i still was not into these movies yet 
No, you know, so yeah. this was definitely in the catch up phase for me once I decided to go for it and get into them. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, it's still not even 10 years old yet. So it's, wow. it, it's got yeah. a lot of, you know, it doesn't feel like a lot of the movies we've been watching so far and reviewing so far, they feel a little old, you know, yeah. they feel a little dated. Um, but this one just feels, feels good. Yeah, I agree. Feels good. The humor hits too. Like it's not like the most funny MCU movie, but like mm -hmm. all the humorous parts are funny. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm always sensitive because you've kind of pointed it out to me in the past. And then it's like seems really true to me, but they're always doing a weird thing with Natasha, you mm -hmm. know, where like she's always trying to, they're always trying to make her either overly sexualized or like mm -hmm. trying to hook up with everybody or whatever yeah. it seemed like in the first half of the movie it was kind of going in that direction like yeah. almost like every interaction was just like a little over the top and then yeah. in the second half she was just like part of the crew getting yeah. stuff done yeah and I, you know and i like that better i but. always have liked the idea i don't really like quote unquote ship Natasha with anybody. I feel like she just kind of deserves to like have her agency and be her own person. But I have always kind of subscribed to the headcanon that I think she just flirts endlessly with Steve because it makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think it's really funny when you like view it in that context <laughs> because it does make him uncomfortable. Seems and pretty clear that's what she's doing. Yeah, and then he kind of, like, learns to, like, grant her back a little bit. And then they have this, like, super sassy dynamic. And yeah. I just, I think they're, like, very fun friends. But, yeah, my I think, like, my favorite part of the movie. It's so funny when he, like, pushes the guy off the roof. And he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, this is not your style, Rogers. And he's, like, no, you're right. It's not. It's hers. And then he goes, ah! And then it just goes right into like, oh, what about that girl from accounting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny to me. It's like so well orchestrated and like acted so well too, like the comedic timing. And totally. then it's so good too, because she's like, she's like, what's her name? Like Laura. And he's like, Lillian. She's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm not ready for that. And then like he comes back up. He's <laughs> so good. Yeah, like I they have them. no adrenaline at all. They're just yeah. chilling, just punching the clock, checking the emails. Yeah. I love it. I, lo I, I love like movie. I like the uh the villainy in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're always kind of talking about that, like times where we feel like there's a villain problem mm -hmm. um and it's not like the villain is like overstated in this movie there's not all these scenes you know where you're yeah. seeing like zola it's more of like bureaucratic enemies hydra uh, hydra them. yeah exactly yeah. and um robert redford's character mm -hmm. working for them alexander pierce but um i as far as as far as baddies go in the MCU, I felt like, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm into yeah. this. I'm, I'm grossed out. You know I mean? The whole supercomputer thing in the yeah. basement layer, like that was just awesome to me, yeah. you know, popping up on that little old school eighties mm -hmm. or seventies screen. And yeah, 
Steve punches it and he just pops up on another screen. As I was saying. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like too, um, I I really like that you said that because there's like an entire debate that people have been having since this movie came out of is Bucky a Marvel villain? And I like that you did not even consider him because I think that's a stupid argument. <laughs> like, no, he's not a villain. Like, he's not. He's he's really being controlled by the villain. Yeah, exactly. And he's honestly like hardly does anything that bad in this movie compared to like some of the other like baddies. Like, he's not. He's a puppet. Like, he's not. He's not a Marvel villain. Like in, I don't think people compare it. Like they're like, is Loki a villain? And then is Bucky a villain? I'm like, no, Loki's a debate we can have. Bucky's not a debate to me, at least. <laughs> I don't know. That feels like dumb. So I like that you didn't even consider that yeah, because yeah. I agree. The villain is capital H, capital all letters, <laughs> Hydra. Like, yeah, big time, big time. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to say is, um, I'm. I'm always a sucker for a for just like a over the top awesome entrance scene, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like oh snap, yeah. And I thought at the end when like the helicarriers are getting attacked and Natasha is is with Pierce and all of that, and of course Pierce thinks that Fury is dead. Mm-hmm. And when Fury's helicopter comes and lands on the helipad and he gets out on the other side, so just his boots and the bottom of his trench coat are yeah. showing, flowing in the helicopter wind, and he comes walking in, he just looks so bad in that yeah. scene. And you just see the shock on Pierce's face, you know, and then he tries yeah. to play it cool, like, great to see you, you know, but. I love that. I yeah. love that entrance scene. Fury knows how to do one. It's great. Yeah. So he good. was looking he was looking mean in this movie when he, he when he when he burnt his little like hidey hole uh mm-hmm. you know thing yeah. and he, he put on the shades instead yeah. of the patch and had the, the, beanie. the beanie on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, he's looking like G right now. That part kills me too, because he just gets the eye patch right back in Age of Ultron. <laughs> like he's exactly the same. Yeah. I I never understood that part. Like I was like, is it like symbolic? It's and then you're gonna pull out like identity. another one that's like in your pocket or what? <laughs> that's not Nick Fury. That's a totally yeah. different eye patch. That is a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say too. Um, I think that this movie does like the double agent trope right like hey, let me hear this it. Is, let me hear this is, no this is what secret invasion wanted to be like hmm. this is this movie is a little bit of that where it's like who's on the who's on this side who's on that side with Sharon the whole time you're like who is she working for like what is going on mm-hmm. who are you hydra are you shield what's going on and it's not over the top and it's not taking over the entire plot but it just adds a little bit of zhuzh and like suspense to it without being ridiculous. For and sure. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And I also think 
that the Mission Impossible franchise should really take a look at the face yeah. technology that Natasha used. I know. It's so good. That, that's way better than this whole like we have <laughs> we have like a printer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Those masks are great. I always want that scene makes no sense to me. Where did she get the wig? It's I have questions about Natasha's wigs every single time. Where do they come from? Why is it the exact same hair? Like, how is she getting this every time? I don't know. And I love how when she takes that wig off, her hair her, underneath is perfect. perfect. That's yeah, not perfect. how wigs work. <laughs> like, no. how it works. She'd have crazy frizz going on right now. I have cosplayed. No, you don't. You Her hair have... would be all pinned down. Yeah, you have to have it in pins. And then in a wig cap. Like, it doesn't just. It's like one shiny sheet. <laughs> I want her to be taking out bobby pins as she's speaking. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you she's Natasha. Yeah, she's she's Natasha. Yeah. I that's what I tell myself every time. It's yeah, fine. She can pull it yeah. I liked how I liked that one part where you know Cap makes his speech to the whole uh, headquarters mm -hmm. and he's like, Hey, I know some of you guys are with me. And there's like the guy on the computer that's like getting ready to like launch the helicarriers. Yeah. And uh <laughs> what's his face? Brock comes in you know and like yeah. points a gun at his head and is like do it do it you know and yeah. then there's like a big battle and a fight and in the midst of fighting somehow brock is able to rock over to the computers and he just starts punching in stuff and he launches them i'm like how do you know how how is this bro doing this <laughs> I did not yeah. know he was also a computer scientist. Yeah, I know. But Everyone knows that stuff. Great movie. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yes, I had a great time. Great time watching it. <sighs> um. Yeah, I like how it goes. I just it's just it it's it has like this intricacy in the writing that has been so lacking for marvel lately I, like even in just like the little details where it's like sam mentions to steve that he should listen to trouble man in the beginning and then trouble man by marvin gay is playing over mm -hmm. the like he plays it for him in the hospital at the end and it's playing over the yes montage yes. and just like little details like that where it's like it's just like you're everything is tied up nicely and it just there's great care in the making and you can mm -hmm. tell that it's not sloppy it's tight it's tight and it's well done i just have so much respect do you think that the way that they wrote sam's character mm -hmm. and the way that that character was played and portrayed so mm -hmm. successfully in this movie. Do you think that that was the performance that set up the trajectory that this guy is going to become the new Captain America? Because it just felt like yeah. it to me watching it this time, totally. like knowing that Sam, that Falcon becomes the new Captain America. Mm -hmm. It just felt like 
oh yeah, that's totally going to happen. He's not yeah. kissing up to Cap, but he believes in Cap and mm -hmm. he'll do anything for Cap. Yeah. And he's just like honors him, but mm -hmm. is like working with him too. Yeah. And Cap respects him. It just felt like, man, if I didn't know any better, I think these guys were going to work alongside each other for yeah. a long time. I think like Marvel would love to take credit and like. I mean, say, there's no like, way yeah, they we knew. planned this all along. I don't yeah. think they did, but like, yeah. I think you could tell, like you said, yeah. from this that like, yeah. It's that nice that it makes America. sense now when you go yeah. back. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. And it's nice that he's like, well, I guess he's not in the first Captain America movie, but he's in like the first present day Captain America movie. Like, he's been around. He's been an integral part of Steve's story for a while now. Yep. And an integral part of the MC. Like, it just, it makes sense. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, Do you have a favorite character? Yeah. Bucky. For sure, Winter Soldier. He's one of my favorite characters in the whole MCU. Yeah. I love a complicated, you know, backstory and mm -hmm. like a conflicted person. I, I love when he's just got those looks in his face like he's trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. whether he's like in the scientist chair, you know, mm -hmm. asking questions or looking at Cap quizzically. Yeah. Um, I just love all of that. But then just like his fighting style and that like arm and what they have him doing with that arm and stuff. Yeah. And, and then his aesthetic, you know, like he is rocking the COVID mask, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. six years before COVID to yeah. disguise himself for a while. That was just mm -hmm. like gritty. It gave him this like Dune slash Star Wars kind of like look. Yeah. And was just so like tenacious. Yeah. And then, and then just the stuff he would do in the fighting scenes, you know, just being able to rip through stuff. I'd love when there's like moments where it's like a pause in the fighting and then you just hear his arm like, like powering yeah. up or like something. Um, so yeah, he's far and away my favorite character in, uh, in this movie, but is one of my favorites in the whole MCU, but one of my favorites in this, in this movie for sure. The arm too is like so symbolic as well. Like with the arm being matched with the shield and like the way that they both have these vibranium weapons that like can mm -hmm. stand against each other. It's like poetic. It's so just, I love it. I love it. It's great. How I don't you? know. I don't even know. I was like thinking about it and I was like, oh, well, Nat. And then I was like, oh, well, Sam. And then I was like, well, Steve. Like the whole right. golden trio. I love when those three work together. Yes. They don't get to do it a ton. I think they're back in um, Infinity War, I want to say. Mm, I can't remember. I can't remember if they're together in Europe and Infinity War. But no, I think they are. I think the three of them are like kind of a vigilante team when we open an Infinity War because Steve's on the run because he's like an outlaw and they are too because they sided with him. Hmm. And I just, I think they're like, 
I just love the dynamic of the three of them. I feel like there's so much like sass and good banter, but like they all kind of even each other out. I just, mm. I don't know. It's hard to choose. My default, I always want to say Nat, but I also always want to say Sam. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even decide. I think they're great. Yeah. Well, we'll just call it a tie, a split yeah. this time. Between the three. Yeah. Um. Yeah, obviously, like, in-universe, it had plenty, it has plenty of impact. Mm-hmm. The story of this going forward, because, you know, Bucky. But it's actually, like, weirdly, like... That's the thing. That's what I'm saying about Joss Whedon. Because after this, I think the next time we see Steve and Nat is Age of Ultron. And it's like we're not acknowledging that this happened at all. Like, Mm. I don't think there's even any mention of Bucky in that movie. Like, they just act like they had no, like, nothing happened. And it's kind of weird. So, but then I think this, so I think this one more directly affects, like, civil war mm. then like the their next direct appearance but okay you know it's 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 good too because you know nat and steve worked together on the original avengers team for the battle of new york and then now they're working together as more like colleagues i feel like mm. and they're becoming friends rather than just being like we were on a superhero team once Like, the Avengers haven't had a lot of work since New York. So now they're kind of growing their relationship and their friendship, like, outside of that. So I like that. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. They're, they're like, a. I feel like, you know, Nat is probably, I would, yeah, Nat is, I think, the Avenger that Steve is closest to out of the original six like that really came through in this movie yeah they're i think <clears throat> she's probably his closest friend out of all of them mm-hmm. and she just got a good way of like not taking him too seriously yeah teasing him but also mm-hmm. supporting him with yeah. like hey this has got to be kind of hard for you yeah that you're a hundred years old but still around it's like sometimes tony takes the joking too far and doesn't like take him seriously at all and i feel like she has a better balance of like Mm -hmm. making fun of him and also respecting like (laughs) it's like a complicated situation that he's in so anyway worst lines yeah you know like, like like we said I think a episode yeah. or two ago, you know, it's like sometimes hard to find these like bad lines, but yeah. um, <clears throat> there's a one part where I forget which, oh yeah, it's near the end. They're getting ready to go deal with the helicarriers. They're mm-hmm. at their secret hideout location with Hill and Fury and uh, Sam's talking to Cap up on like a, looks like a dam or a bridge or something. Yeah. And uh, they part ways, and Sam's like, where are you going? He's like, it's time to go fight. And he's like, you're going to go dress like that? And he's like, no, 
I'm going to wear a uniform because he's like, says like, yeah, because when you fight in a war, you need a uniform. He says that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You Ooh. know, like it was like going back to good old uh, Captain yeah. America. I'm a, I'm a soldier. <laughs> and in the war, you need a uniform. No, no. And it was his thing where he went to the Smithsonian and stole yeah. his. You yeah, know, and Stanley was like, "Oh crap, I'm gonna get fired." But yeah, I thought that was a little cheesy. But you know, it's like, yeah. yeah, well, of course it's cheesy. He's cheesy. He is. I think it works. I think the like soldier shtick is dumb because Steve's never been a soldier, except in Joss Whedon's fantasy universe. Like Steve is like the he Steve is a horrible soldier. He like just is constantly deserting. Yeah and like doing his own thing you know in every single movie he just goes rogue so he's not really a soldier and it's just funny to me that people like have that be like a thing about him <laughs> like they're like the perfect soldier tony always says that like he's like america's golden like he's not he's literally always breaking the law <laughs> like he's always just running away and doing dangerous stuff <laughs> he does whatever he wants to do yeah, he does what he thinks is right, not what the government right. thinks is right. Yeah. How about you? Um, there's a great part like right at the beginning when they're on the ship, when they're like breaking out the shield agents, and um I think Nat or Steve like knocks out one of the pirates or kills him, question mark. He like falls over unconscious in front of the prisoners and Jasper Sitwell is like sitting there and Sitwell we know is Hydra he's not shield but he's just and and Steve and Nat are gone like there's nobody else in the room but he just goes <laughs> shield doesn't negotiate and it just I was like well done playing the bit to the fullest like <laughs> I man is fully Hydra at this point but oh yeah even to an unconscious body, he's got to, you know, Act have, a shield. Little, have a little shield, like, dig. I like it. I'm glad yeah. you brought up that that scene because uh, I wanted to, to mention, I, I remember watching this so, so long ago, but the actor that plays yeah. that character uh, on the ship, Batrock, yeah. yeah, that's GSP. I know. George's St. Pierre, widely considered the greatest mixed martial art artist fighter in history. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So I throw that out there because it's cool. They give him a little bit of time to do some of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, against cat. Is that your Easter egg? <clears throat> no, it's not my Easter egg actually. Oh. Yeah. No, I have a more fun Easter egg. Okay. Okay. So, um, I thought about, I found one Easter egg that was um, the guy who is the writer responsible for creating Bucky Barnes and uh, Kirby. Winter Soldier, Ed Brubaker. Oh, okay. Um, he uh, makes a cameo as one of the scientists. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. But my real Easter egg is, you know the part where at the beginning, Sam um tells them like you need to listen to 
uh that album yeah yeah exactly and and cap's like okay and he pulls out his little uh notebook and he writes yeah. it down and the notebook they show everything that he's got written yeah. down right so he's got um i love lucy moon landing berlin wall up down Steve Jobs, Apple, Disco, Thai food, Star Wars slash Trek, Nirvana, <laughs> Band, Rocky with Rocky 2 in question mark parentheses, and then Trouble Man soundtrack. So he's got that written yeah. out. Well, in other countries, they put a different list. Whoa. They flash to that. Yeah. So I found an article on Yahoo that shows you what other countries got yeah so i won't bore you with all the details but some highlights okay. the united kingdom when for them instead of disco it was the beatles okay yeah and instead of steve jobs it's sean connery okay <laughs> yeah. on all of them the last three are the same nirvana okay. Rocky and Trouble Man are all on 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 all of them. So that's that's the UK. Uh, in Spain, uh, they have the soccer player Rafa Nadal. Mm -hmm. In France, the band is not Disco or the Beatles; it's Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Australia, oh, this one's great. In Australia, they got ACDC, just space travel in general. Okay. <laughs> Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. <laughs> Tim Tams. <laughs> and Thai food is in there. Thai food is also in there for everybody. Okay. Germany gets moon landing. They get the Berlin Wall up and down, obviously. And disco. They kept disco in. Here's yeah. one of my favorites. Italy, they got Ferrari's victories at F1 Grand Prix. It's like a full <laughs> sentence. <laughs> it's like they're just pandering oh to the God. Italian moviegoer. Like, yeah. oh, he's going to learn about Ferrari winning in F1. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brazil, they get, this is another F1 illusion they get Ayrton Senna widely regarded one of the greatest F1 drivers in history he died in a crash but he was Brazilian okay here's one of my favorites Latin America got for their band Shakira nice <laughs> nice <laughs> and then and then Russia they got uh, the Soviet Union dissolution, 1991. That's Whoa. like such like a, politics? like, oh, ooh. Yeah. Well, fun. <laughs> and then finally, the last one I could find, Korea. They got on theirs, Dance Dance Revolution. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, because it's such a little thing. Like, I don't expect that that many people pause that scene to see. But it's like a really short little snip, and like I have. And I'm if you're if you're nerd. sitting there in a Korean movie theater, and you're reading your subtitles, or you're listening to your audio overdub, 
Yeah. And you're watching Sam and Cap have this conversation in obviously America. Yeah. <laughs> in front of like a Capitol building. Are you really thinking like, yeah, that's cool that Sam told him that he needs to learn about Jisung Park or <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution? Well, Sam didn't tell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam just didn't. Stuff he picked up. But yeah. <laughs> it's just pretty funny. I know. But I thought that was clever. I thought that I thought that That's was a good cool. one. Cool. I yeah. didn't know that. That's funny. I would have ate that up a couple years ago. Just like more canon information about what Steve <laughs> wants to know. But all of them, last three. Yeah. Maybe last four. Star Wars, Nirvana, Rocky, Trouble Man. Trouble I mean, Man. obviously they had to have Trouble yeah. Man in there to make it, you know, at the right. end of the movie. How about you? What was yours? Um I didn't have a like any super that was a great that was a great Easter egg. I don't have one as good. I think um I like a little detail is I'm pretty mm, I don't wanna like say a hundred percent that I'm positive that this is intentional, but at least I see it as a parallel. And I'm pretty sure that I've heard someone say, like someone official talk about how it's like an official parallel that the fight in on the ship between steve and batrock is gets paralleled like in um captain marvel like it's like almost like a reference when like yon rock is like prove to me that you can do it take off your got like don't like don't use your powers like you can you have to prove to me that you can fight me without it and then she's like no i don't have to prove that to you it's kind of like a direct reference to this scene because Batrock is like, lose the shield and the helmet and prove to me that you're still strong. And Steve takes the bait. So it's kind of like oh, a statement wow. in Captain Marvel that she's not taking that bait because she doesn't have anything right. to prove. So I think it's I like it. Steve has something to prove. But I always think of that scene or the other scene, vice versa, when I think of those two scenes. That's good. So. That's a great parallel. When you said Trouble Man, I also like that um in Falcon and the Winter Soldier um Sam is still playing a lot of Marvin Gaye and they have a conversation oh yeah it. yeah with Zemo on the jet yeah talking about it and yeah Bucky's talking about Jack <laughs> yeah it's a good call. it's it's a little callback I like it I like it we should probably wrap this up Great movie. Great we could movie. talk forever about this, but um, we had a great time, and we're super excited for next week, for or next episode, next month for mm-hmm. um, Guardians. Guardians, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, one. Yes, so, I can't wait, and this is. The end. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along with us on this important journey. Thank you for letting us talk to you about Steve Rogers' character arc. And thank you for letting my dad listen to you all of the things in Steve Rogers' notebook around the world. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Lauren and Nate. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.